are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday. We've got a game of the NBA Finals tonight, Game 4, as the Heat look to even the series up. I'm going to preview that for you guys in the third segment of today show but first we're going to start with something else that's going to focus on the pelicans for next season and it's a simple question that was kind of brought up on the hollinger and duncan podcast and basically it was will you see more zone defense played in the nba okay great but what about the pelicans would that work and i think the answer is actually kind of yeah to a certain degree so we're going to break that down for y'all in the beginning of today's show then they also on hollinger and junk and talk about jeremy grant's free agency he might be my like number one realistic gettable guy they've got differing perspectives on that we'll hear what they have to say talk a little bit more about what his dollar figure could be so let's dive into it all in today's edition of locked on pelicans so I'm going to play a clip from the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network of with Nick Duncan of Dunked On and then John Hollinger with The Athletic, formerly of ESPN, the creator of P, the PER stat, and he used to work in the front office with the Memphis Grizzlies. They start talking about zone defense, and with the success we've seen from that zone, particularly with Miami this, uh, this postseason, does that mean we'll see more of it in the NBA? They've got some good insights, and then I'll explain why I think this makes some sense with the Pelicans with both Toronto and Spolstra playing a lot of zone. And I think also you're now giving these guys, uh, the coaches who are a little bit less forward-thinking, shall we say, now they've got the cover of, hey, Eric Spolstra played zone in the playoffs. Nick Nurse is doing all this crazy crap. Now I can do that. Is this going to augur a lot more zone being played now? I think it will. And I think the thing that changed, because the points per possession was always so much worse with zones than with man-to-man. You know, the the data bore that out. What happened, though, is that the points possession, per possession in the league has risen so much over the last couple of years against man-to-man that I think, like, the effectiveness of zone hasn't changed as much as it's it's now on par with man-to-man. Uh, and so I, th- I think the teams that aren't naturally set up well to attack zones, I, I think now are, are vulnerable to them. In, in a way that they weren't before, because before it was like, okay, we might, we might, you know, we might only be the 15th best team against zone, whereas, whereas we're the fifth best team against man, but it doesn't matter because zone is a trash defense. It's going to give up, you know, 0.1 PPP more per, you know, per possession. So what's the difference? You're, you still don't want to play zone against us. And it's interesting. It doesn't just come down to sh- shooting, like interior passing really matters. Uh, in Memphis, we couldn't shoot worth a lick, but we had good interior passing and we were a good offensive rebounding team. So zone defenses really didn't give us a lot of trouble. So there you go. Zone defensive has just gotten better and players have probably gotten better at executing this. And zone defense is in vogue right now with the way the Miami Heat are doing it. And this comes a decade after the Dallas Mavericks basically rode it to a title to some degree against the Miami Heat and LeBron James in his first year. They're really confusing LeBron in his first season with the Miami Heat as Dallas won the title as an underdog in that situation. So... There's merits for the zone defense. What about for New Orleans? And I think it could 
work. If you run a zone, you want to have a lot of length. And the Pelicans kind of have that or be hyper-athletic. You've got Brandon Ingram at the three, at the four, with a lot of length right there. Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball in the backcourt has a lot of length. And maybe that minimizes Lonzo's weaknesses of not being able to run through screens. Heck, it kind of minimizes a lot of the weaknesses for this team of being unable to get through screens. And so running a zone defense to kind of take some of that out of there, I think makes a good bit of sense. Zion is hyper-athletic, reads passing lanes really well, at least he did in college. And if he can get back to some of that more instinctual play and get it up to the level that he was at Duke, he's going to be a very good defender, I think. It's going to take him a little bit, but he will get there. So if you're measuring the zone defense, though, is it going to work against the division rivals, the teams that you're playing four times per year? And so for the Pelicans, that means the Spurs, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, and the Memphis Grizzlies. That's the majority of your schedule right there. I do think it works well for the most part against those teams, not necessarily one of them. So the zone works well against a team like the Houston Rockets. You even saw the Lakers run it in the postseason against them because they're so isolation heavy. They don't pass the ball. They don't go after offensive rebounds. And they're not a tremendous shooting team outside of James Harden and one or two of the other guys on the roster that you're not as scared of. And if those guys beat you, those guys beat you and you just kind of shrug. So running a zone defense against the Houston Rockets a lot more than you do Definitely could be a way to try and slow him down. There's no interior passing going on there. There's no passing going on in general there. It's hardened step back threes, hardened driving, or Russell Westbrook driving. You can contain those drives, particularly if you have a rim protector down low with a zone defense with the Pelicans length that they have. I think it could work there. Another team, like the Dallas Mavericks, have been shown at times, even this past season, to be slowed down a little bit. By zone defense. I don't think this is as great of a defense to run against them as the, as it would be the Houston Rockets, but Luca is the main threat there. That's their passer. Limiting his drives and getting to the rim and trying to force him to become a three point shooter where he's not particularly great. He's not elite there. He's not horrible, but he definitely has games where he goes two for 10. You want to make him play like that versus being the Luka Doncic that we know. He shot 32%, 31.6% from three this season on nine attempts. Making him take 10 attempts per game because the driving lane isn't there. The creases aren't there to get through and get to the rim. Heck yes, sign me up for trying to limit him that way too. I think that could be an effective method. Maybe not always, but I definitely think that that could be a good way to try and slow him down. For the San Antonio Spurs, it's a pretty similar thing, too. They're not a huge three-point shooting team, so you're forcing them into that ideally. They don't have a ton of passers. There's no pure point guard necessarily there, and you're less worried about some of the things that they're doing. The team that it wouldn't necessarily work against is the Memphis Grizzlies. They are a very good passing team. They're a decent three-point shooting team, and they're okay enough on the offensive glass that I think it could hurt a zone defense. So maybe you don't run it there as much, but given the teams in the division, given the tools of the players that the Pelicans have, I could see a zone defense being somewhat more effective for them and at least should break it out a bit more next season than we saw this past year. And maybe that helps some of the defensive woes. So coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about Jeremy Grant, his free agency. We've talked about him before, why I think he's a good fit for New Orleans. What do Hollinger and Duncan have to say about this? What could his contract value be? Does it make sense? Let's go from there in the next segment. 
Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models out there, it's basically impossible for a chain store to stock all the parts you need for your car or your truck. You're going to go in there, they're going to charge you one price for the part that you're looking for, and you're stuck. You don't have a choice. You've just got to pay them because you're there. It's the only thing they have, and they get to make the price. But you know what? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything, engine control modules, brake pads, I just put four new ones on one of my cars, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or a daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Click on the make of your car, the year of your car, then the model of your car, and you're going to be able to quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. You can choose the brand, specifications, and prices, yes, prices that you prefer, because best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just don't do it. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all breaking down every single thing you want to know about the team, whether it's the head coaching search, whether it's free agency, whether it's everything about Zion and Brandon Ingram. We've got it covered here at Locked On Pelicans. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So we've talked a lot about Jeremy Grant, and he's a guy I think could be a really great fit here in New Orleans and a guy that just kind of fits a lot of the polls and opportunities that the franchise has to try and fill a guy who can be a good three point shooter can be a good perimeter defender. He's good off ball. He's not bad in the pick and roll either. He just kind of plugs a lot of the holes. I think he would do this for most teams. Let's hear what Hollinger and Duncan have to say about him. Let's start by talking about, uh, Jeremy Grant. So, uh, reader, uh, Aram H at says, uh, you guys have mentioned that you think uh, Fred Van Vliet or Danilo Gallinari makes the most sense for Phoenix, but shouldn't pay the team be the team to go like four times 15 on Jeremy Grant? Uh, what do you think about Jeremy Grant's value, first of all? Do you, like, is he a guy who, who should command that kind of money to you? Well, according to what most likely his agent leaked to Mike Singer uh, out of Denver, uh, his value is $16 million plus per year. Okay, I would not pay $60 million plus per year for him. That that's interesting though because that tells me that uh if he like if he actually can get that like there's no chance of an extension happening with Denver. I I always thought an opt-in with an extension was the thing that made the most sense and Denver can go up to like 11 on an extension um and then go out years however far they felt comfortable. Like it it seemed to me within that there's the structure of a pretty good deal. That takes away a lot of the risk for Grant ahead of free agency. I mean, there's not a lot of cap room out there. I don't think he's going to be anyone's number one target. And I, you don't want to get too carried away off this playoff performance. I mean, his last two games in the playoffs were good. You look at his overall playoffs. I mean, it's not like he was awesome in the playoffs. Uh, he, he showed himself as a good multi-positional defender, good multi-positional guy, you know, sort of a Swiss army knife. And that's definitely helpful, but it's only helpful at a certain level. Is he, can he really be one of the three or four best players on a, on a high level team? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have my doubts. 
Well, we conceived of him coming into these playoffs as a combo forward. Maybe he could start for you in a pinch. Not sure about his shooting. You know, he at least was a more aggressive shooter from three than he has. But he basically was their starting three. And he guarded LeBron and he guarded Kawhi, I thought, pretty darn capably uh, until the very end there. So if you're seeing him as, yes, viable 3 and D option who can also finish at the rim, maybe could be a role man sometimes offensively as well, get on the offensive glass, get out in transition, does enough offensively and can guard the best player without getting overwhelmed defensively. Isn't the player that I just described worth $16 million a year? Just playing devil's advocate here, if indeed you believe he's that player. So they have differing views, it seems like, to some degree on Jeremy Grant and what his value is. And Hollinger coming in kind of takes an approach that reminds me a little bit of Solomon Hill. He was overpaid here in New Orleans significantly for a couple of good games at the end of the season and like one half of a playoff series where he played very well. But you look at that kind of wing stopper that can shoot the three and you're like, oh yeah, you got to pay that guy. Those guys get paid. I mean, Solomon Hill's seen finals minutes for a variety of reasons, but it's just like, wow, okay, this is a thing. And I guess he's kind of worried about some of that with Jeremy Grant this summer to a degree. And I think to a degree he's right. But when I look at Jeremy Grant, I don't even see nearly the same player as Solomon Hill. I see a much more well-rounded, multifaceted guy. I've given you some of the profile numbers on him from the B-ball index. And he's good. He's a good three-point shooter in terms of spotting up and particularly above the breaks. He's not good in the corners there. And he's not good at creating his own shot. But as an outlet guy... That's very valuable to put around Zion Williamson should Zion really ever become that good passer that we all hope he can be. He's good in the pick and roll. He's good off ball. That's a really important thing. He can guard multiple positions. Solomon Hill was basically, if your shot's not falling, he's not going to add much of anything to you. And that's not great. Now, Jeremy Grant isn't a great rebounder, but he's not abysmal on either side of the ball. But if I trust him to shoot the three ball and at least work in the pick and roll as a roll man, you're adding more there than I think you would get with some of these other guys that get overpaid for just kind of some of the three and D things that they provide. So I think that's worth keeping in mind when it comes to talking about Jeremy Grant. The other thing is if Hollinger is worried about him being the third or fourth best player on a team, you don't need that here. I think that's kind of the point. Zion and Brandon Ingram are your top two guys no matter what. Then you're going to have Drew Holiday because conceivably if you're bringing in Jeremy Grant, given that he's opting out of the player option, you don't need to worry about him um, trading for him. So you've got Drew Holiday there. That makes him your fourth best option already. That's like the ceiling that he has here. If he's your fourth or fifth, that's kind of perfect for that role. Now is $16 million worth it for your fourth or fifth option and Maybe, depends on your cap space and all of that, but that's where this becomes a bit of a concern, I think. That's a lot of money to pay for a guy that's not going to be in a starring role necessarily, but to have a capable player like him, I do think is a really good fit. And Nate Duncan seems to agree. A guy that can guard LeBron and Kawhi reasonably well, given that you're also in the Western Conference and that's four games against those uh, both those guys, you know, at least maybe more than that. I think is useful to have while providing that court spacing and just being a solid, not high usage guy that accomplishes a whole lot. 
New Orleans carving out 16 million is not easy. They can do it. You've got to renounce a lot of guys here. You've got to move on from a few, but you it, it's doable. They can be a cap space team. It's just, what are you going to chase after? Or is that cap space better off in the future? But given that you're going to give Brandon Ingram an extension, maybe Lonzo Ball an extension, then that becomes a problem because your cap space is going to get eaten up by all of that. So if this is the only year you have to spend it, maybe it is worth spending it on Jeremy Grant. We're going to see when free agency starts. So coming up, previewing tonight's game of the NBA Finals, Game 4. Can the Heat come back and even the series, or is it still pretty much done? I'll give you what I think coming up here in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Go. Sometimes you just feel like you're hitting a wall, whether it's me doing show prep, maybe before a workout or like my ninth Zoom meeting of the day. Sometimes you're just not motivated and it's tough to keep yourself going, but you've got to break through that wall. And whatever your wall is, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every single day. This comes from the makers of Built Bar and is their energy gel, which I've been using in the morning, basically instead of breakfast, to kind of get me ready and I've been digging it to be perfectly honest. It's just easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, you can throw it in your golf bag or just have it with you throughout the day. Built Go is basically the best energy gel out there on the market. Think of it like five hour energy without the same crash or jittery feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for your body. They've got three delicious flavors, including peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate milk. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen proteins and collagen protein is a fast absorbing uh, protein so it gets into my system fast plus it's a little bit easier on my stomach and built go is loaded with good stuff to ignite whether it's my workout or just getting me mentally ready for whatever it is i need to do b3 honey a little bit of caffeine plus b6 b12 and that collagen protein promotes joint soft tissue and hair and skin health basically this stuff literally makes you look better so go to builtgo.com and use promo code locked that's promo code locked and you're going to get 30 dollars off your next order use promo code locked for 30 dollars off uh sorry 30 percent off over at builtgo.com so wrapping up today's show looking at the nba finals tonight game four after a heroic historic performance from jimmy butler can the heat do it again in even this series and i talked about on yesterday's show why we really want the heat to do well if you're a pelicans fan because the Lakers have some exceptionalism about them. They are different than every other franchise in the league. And them cruising, cruising to an NBA title is only going to make them more dominant. It's only going to make other star players and other players want to go there, maybe for less money. That's not good for the league. And the Pelicans who own the Lakers drafts in the future really need this team to not be all that good. Even if LeBron leaves or retires, let's say, they're going to be able to replace him because it's LA. It's what they do. Unless they're bad. During that stretch, that six-year stretch they went through until this year, they were not getting the same kind of luck in free agency. They didn't even get a meeting with Kevin Durant that they had had before. And that's what Pelicans fans, you want to hope for and root for. And that's why you're rooting for the Miami Heat in this one. Even if the Lakers win and it takes six, seven games, I think that takes the shine off them just a little bit. Makes it just a little bit better um, to knock him down uh, to a degree and maybe doesn't make him as dominant. So can they do it again? Can the Miami Heat pull off what's going on with Jimmy Butler? And it sounds like Bam Adebayo is going to play tonight. No Gordon Dragic. Adding Bam into that with how Jimmy Butler played. Can they do this? 
And unfortunately, I think the answer is kind of no. It took a heroic historic performance from Jimmy Butler just to get one game in the series. And 2-1 is significantly better than 3-0. You can come back from 3-1. I don't know about 3-0. So with Jimmy Butler doing that again, it also took a horrific night from Anthony Davis. Just one of the worst playoff performances we've seen from him. He was bad in that game. He was not impactful. And he's going to bounce back, I think. And the Lakers, after every loss they've had in the postseason so far, have gone on to win by, I think, at least 12 or 13 points in the next game. And so if the trend follows, and it hasn't followed a whole lot because they haven't lost a lot in the playoffs here, I'm not sure that the Heat are really going to be able to keep up. Bam helps you, but if you don't get that same performance from Jimmy Butler and that same down performance from Anthony Davis... You definitely aren't going to win. And I think AD bounces back in this one big time, which hurts to say. Also good for him, too. Like, I don't have that many ill feelings towards him. But I'd like to see them try and uh, not play well and the Heat to even the series. And I just don't see this happening. I think this could be a double-digit victory for the Lakers in this one. They do have the Heat defense figured out to a degree that zone defense against the length of L.A. hasn't been working with the mid-range shooters that L.A. has. It hasn't helped them either. And the Lakers, for not being a good three-point shooting team, have just come up almost time and time again with really clutch and big three-pointers that they normally wouldn't make, which is super annoying to see them drain threes, whether it's the Morai twins uh, or KCP or Rondo or Kuzma nailing these shots that they normally wouldn't make. Unbelievably annoying. And I think they're going to do it again tonight and really take a commanding 3-1 lead in the series, which is basically going to be all she wrote for it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.